This is Scenic Roots. I'm Ray Bassett. Thanks for joining us. Wade Hinton, born and raised here in Chattanooga, is a lawyer and business leader who ran for mayor earlier this year. His roles across the public and private sectors include city attorney, deputy general counsel at Volkswagen, and vice president of inclusion and diversity at Unum. Recently, he launched Hinton & Company, a diversity and inclusion consulting business for organizations. Wade, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ray. I'm I'm really privileged and honored to be here with you. Tell us more about Hinton & Company. Yeah, so Hinton & Company is a new firm. We just started just in the last few months. It is focused on creating really a partnership with organizations that are interested and, and place a priority on advancing inclusion. And what's an example of the type of work that the firm is engaged in and is eyeing? Thinking about a lot of the leaders that I speak with, not just here in our community, but really across the country that have said, you know, we really know that inclusion is important. Diversity is important. We want to create an environment that is more inclusive. We want to be able to attract competitive talent, but we really don't know how to do it, right? How do we actually move from talking about this to actually putting this into action? And so and as much as they have great folks there working at these organizations, at times they do need an expert to come in and to provide strategy and thought partnership and resources to help them get there. And so just think about an organization that has that mentality. They might not have a chief diversity officer. And so we come in, we really serve it in that role as the chief inclusion officer, chief diversity officer, but externally to help uh, drive that strategy and, and get them there. Tell us more about how your experience, whether we're talking about your time as city attorney or your service at Unum or running for mayor, how all of that experience you intend to bring to bear to this task. I think even my coming back home after law school, right, started, I think, some of this work and, and this conversation because I remember Ray being in rooms after law school, being in rooms in Chattanooga and looking around and it was just me, right? It was just me. And so I was the only person of color and thinking about how do I create opportunities or build bridges to make sure that more opportunities are made, that I'm not the exception, but really I talked about this during the campaign that it's an expectation, but not just for talent here in our community, but for organizations to think more broadly and and more inclusively about how you create opportunities for folks to join. And so that experience coupled with the work I've done in private practice and law, right, working for former county mayor Claude Ramsey and building out this civil rights program at the county, the work I did while I was even at BW, I was local lead counsel, but certainly diversity was important, helping with creating some employee resource groups out there, but then taking that work on to, you know, that was a city attorney and trying to uh, create some supply diversity programs with our Office of Multicultural Affairs, or even building out the work at UNAM. What I've been able to just determine is what I felt when I first got here, which is, hey, there's talent here in the city, and we've got to be able to create paths of opportunity. And we've got to have organizations on the other side really place a priority on diversifying the workforce at all levels, at all levels of the organization. It seems simple, but what it takes to create those pathways is more complicated than it seems to a lot of people. You know, that's absolutely spot on, right? And part of this is, you know, we get into our routines. It's just a part of who we are. And we tend to talk about this in terms of bias, right? What have we been conditioned to do? Even from hiring, we tend to look at people that remind us of ourselves at times, or there's some connections, went to attending the same church, or my kid knows this. So, we look at that, but then you look around, it's like, well, wait a minute, our team does not reflect the diversity in our community. And so what makes this a little bit challenging is interrupting that and saying, well, wait a minute, let's think about where we're looking for talent. Let's think about the kinds of questions we're asking and making sure that people can show up. Let's think about how we're coaching and developing and creating paths of opportunity for talent once we have them in our four walls, right? And and how do we begin to make sure not only are they lifted up, but we have an opportunity to attract even more. So it sounds simple, but it, it really is about being intentional about it along the way. And that, I think, great, if you do this right, it not only makes you more competitive in terms of 
getting talent and keeping talent, it also unlocks opportunity from the business and marketplace as well. So I think there's so many opportunities and study after study have shown this. And so, but we've got the work to do and, and I'm excited to work with organizations that are placing priority on this. And how do you see this through the lens of someone such as yourself growing up here in Chattanooga and through your lifetime, the changes that have happened here and yet at the same time, so much more yet to do? I'm both hopeful at times. I, I will be honest and say I'm, I can get discouraged at times as well. Because for a city that, for Chattanooga in particular, and although we're going to be doing work outside our city, but for Chattanooga in particular, you know, we're a city, Ray, that's 40% people of color. But when you look at the most senior leadership around the community, it doesn't reflect that. So the question is not really if we can diversify our workforce. It's not if we can create inclusive spaces. It really becomes a question of how do we do it? And what's your strategic why making that happen? We know we've had some really hard-hitting conversations, some very transparent conversations over the past year about race. And I do think that we have leaders that are interested in trying to move the needle forward. Let's just make it happen. Let's begin to have this conversation. Don't feel like you're out there on your own. You have partners like that, whether it's our firm or us, but there are partners out there that are really there to help you move forward. And and there are other CEOs and other leaders out there, by the way, who, who want to try to advance this very important topic as well. Who are some of those leaders in the space that you work in now, elsewhere in the country, in the Southeast that you look to, and who also hear from you? Let me first you know, give a shout out to a couple of leaders here locally, I think, that have been doing some fantastic work. When I say, in this case, I want to shout out CEOs, I was really just blown away by the commitment of Rick McKinney over at Unum. My conversation with him when I was thinking about what I would do after city attorney really sold me. I, I mean, he really was committed. And I think you can see that in the work. I think folks like Eric Fuller and others are, are stepping up in a way that really are showing, irrespective of industry, this is an opportunity for us to step up and, and lead. And the list goes on and on in terms of, I think, CEOs who've really been able to move the needle, J.D. Hickey and others. But also as a good special shout out to Krista Gillenwood and what the work the chamber is doing, right, to really try to bring this to the forefront because it is a competitive advantage. And, and if the city does not begin to invest in a real way, then we're going to miss out not only on in, in attracting talent here, but keeping some of the great talent we have. But nationally, I mean, there are folks like Nika White, who's in Greenville, South Carolina, who I think is just doing some amazing work. Tara J. Frank, she too, I believe, is one of the leaders in this work, having some amazing conversations. And she has a book coming out really soon that I'm, I think a lot of folks are, are excited to get called The Waymakers. So shout out to Tara. But again, there, even locally, I mean, you have people that are talking about this race in particular, LaQuisha Ewing, who does, I think, some amazing transparent, authentic conversations. I participated in the REI, Racial Equity Institute, session with her, and she was just amazing. So, I mean, there's some, again, some great leaders doing some work around here. You single out people, but there's some organizations also that are helping to lead the charge, like Community Foundation and others too, and Benwood. And when you partner with a business, when you partner with an organization, what kind of metrics do you have in mind guidelines do you have in mind for measuring progress? And then how would you apply that to just progress here in our area, in the Chattanooga area? That's a great question, Ray. What I would say is, look, every client and every customer and every organization is different. We never walk in saying, hey, this is where you ought to be. We first want to understand where you are. And that means you know, doing a deep dive assessment really you know, looking at their numbers, demographics, right? But also you measure the diversity, but you also have to measure the inclusion and the culture side of this too, and how people are feeling. Do they have that sense of belonging? And based on that, we are able to sort of say, well, this is where you are in your inclusion journey. And looking at everything, looking at your industry, looking at where we think there are some opportunities, here are a set of, uh, I think, strategic opportunities for you to, to try to move forward with. And that's how we look at it. The more conversations we have in certain sectors, I think that certainly gives a sense of comfort to CEOs and HR leaders and others about, hey, what are those other organizations doing? But I think what I would, I would say to organizations is don't necessarily compare yourself right, to others as much because your journey is your unique journey and 
it's easy to, to look at a Coca-Cola and say, wow, we need to be where they are. Well, they've been doing this for decades, right? And so let's just start. Let's just start. That starts with the conversation. That starts with looking at your numbers. That starts with looking at and listening to your employees about what they think is important. Speaking of employees, it's called Hinson & Company. Tell us more about the company. We have some folks that we're, we're contracting with now, and they're doing work that ranges from just operations to make sure the trains run on time, if you will. But we also have some strategic comms partners, right, that are helping us think about how we're communicating to our client, but also eventually how we're going to help our clients communicate in a more inclusive way. One thing we do is an inclusive communications workshop, right? We bring in the comms teams, like we take them through this workshop and on the other side, not only do they have resources and tools to help them, they can reference for, you know, making sure from a language perspective, they're, they're thinking about this the right way, but really we take them through some examples of how you can be more inclusive in your communication to folks and your employees and externally. I think at times those are easy wins, right? And how you talk about the work you're doing. But what I tell organizations all the time is, you know, you don't have to wait until there's an inclusion and diversity program to speak or to write or communicate inclusively. That's the work we try to do in, in different ways. And if people want more information, if they want to keep up on all that you do, where can they go online? They can go to hintonandco.com. That's hintonandco.com. They can also email us at team at hintonandco.com as well if they have any questions. Of course, we have a great form there if they want to complete that on the web. The one thing I didn't add when I mentioned contractors is we do have even folks who look at data analysts that helps us look at the numbers. We're very metric driven, getting to your earlier question, and people want to actually see that things are moving and metrics are very important and be able to show that progress is being made or that you know we're having some challenges. All right. Wade Hinton, thanks so much. Wade, thank you so much. I enjoyed being with you today. The fall brings a new season for up-and-coming songwriters in the Chattanooga area and a musical rite of passage known as Songwriter Stage. Mark Anderson is the director of Chattown Stages, which makes it all possible. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thanks. So great to be here again. Always good to have you here. And Chattown Stages is back. It's back for a fall session of the Songwriter Stage. And tell us how it will unfold this time. Well, first, the songwriter stage has traditionally been a, a series of events, contests that we held at the camp house. During the pandemic, I took it online, formed the website Chat Town Stages. So we're carrying on the tradition of a singer-songwriter contest, but we do it online with a series of online eliminations and a finale. And this time, as COVID is changing, we're beginning with an online series of competitions but the finale is live at the camp house on Saturday, November 13th. So it's a fusion. There's nothing that can substitute that live onstage performance. Especially at the new location for the camp house. Absolutely. My gosh, they've got a great sound system. It's just a beautiful, it's not the restaurant that people knew before, but it is a high quality venue. And the registration is already open yeah. through October 15th? Yes, and it's free. We had a $10 entry fee previously, but it's eliminated and it's all free to enter now. And you have two rounds of voting starting next month, late next month. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about the judges. We signed on Ariel Omarzu and Katrina Barclay, which are both previous winners of the songwriter stage and they're professionals that perform around town. So I just feel like these two judges are going to be fantastic. But the third judge is the people's vote, and we combine the votes from those to come up with our first, second, third place. And when we talk about eligibility of our local talent, we mean residents of the Chattanooga region, as you put it, Dalton to Athens and Swanee to the eastern state line of Tennessee. Yes. We want to keep it regional. This is for Chattanoogans because I love Chattanooga and our amazing arts community here. So when you take it online, there's the potential to get entries from all over the world. So we require the entrance to submit a physical address, a mailing address within that area. Because of course, if they make it through all of those virtual rounds, they have to show up to the camp house for the finale. They do. There's something special about this one. We had a lot of requests for duos 
traditionally we just do the solo singer-songwriter. This contest is open to duo singer-songwriters. And what have you heard so far from some of the entrants, some of the musicians that you work with all the time on so many things in our community? Well, they're excited about this. They're excited to keep performing. It's an opportunity. This contest has been kind of a coming of age, a rite of passage in Chattanooga. So a lot of our beginner singer-songwriters, they really mature in this because a contest brings out your best. I mean, you really got to lay it on the line. And so it really serves a practical function there. It's a showcase. It's a contest, but it's a showcase of our talent. And it helps the musicians really mature. And we've seen a number of them that start out at an amateur level and end up professional. And some of these musicians have had to spend the past year and a half learning how to perform virtually. Yeah. So it's pretty simple. We don't need a a high-tech video recorded on your phone or your laptop. It's not a video contest. We're looking for the traditional singer-songwriter. We're trying to imitate what would be live on your phone or your video. And for people who want more information about all the details, how to enter... Where can they go online? The website is chattown.art. So that's chattown with two T's in there, chattown.art. And on the tab there, just select Songwriter Stage. All right, Mark, thanks so much. Thank you. Looking forward to a really great season. So are we. Beyond Chattanooga, the Lula Lake Land Trust covers 8,000 acres around Lookout Mountain, Georgia. On Saturday, October 23rd, the home to Lula Lake and Lula Falls will host the Trailblazer 10K and Marathon to support its conservation efforts. Matthew Hubbard is with Lula Lake Land Trust. Matthew, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Tell us more about the Trailblazer. It's our final race in the 2021 Lula Laker Race Series. We're having a 10K and half marathon on Saturday, October 23rd to raise funds for conservation. And tell us more about the course. It will be utilizing most of our core preserve trails, as well as Lula Lake's moonshine trails. Those trails will be going through beautiful backcountry scenic landscapes. So you'll be plunging into the heart of our core preserve and you'll get to see the onset of the changing seasons. And we're very excited to bring people out there. And it's a pretty difficult course if you're doing the half marathon, but the 10K is a nice course. And what response have you seen from people coming out to Lula Lake in the past few months? We're seeing people continuing to come visit the Corps Preserve, our open gate day, which are our public access dates. Our reservations are selling out quite frequently, and we're just happy to have people out there and enjoying nature and seeing all the good work that we've done. Even if there have been a few days where there's been quite a lot of rain. (laughs) More rain means a better waterfall. That is true. That is true. What have you been enjoying out there lately? When you get there first thing in the morning, there's this cold snap in the air that you can just feel autumn approaching. And that, a changing of season, moving onward. There's an old saying that life begins in the fall. And I agree with that. You can feel change and you can feel like we're moving forward, whether it's personal, whether it's your outdoor life or what's going on in the world. We're moving forward. And that's what I enjoy the most about being out there and just feeling that sudden change in temperature. And then beyond the trailblazer, how is Lula Lake moving forward later this year into early next year? What are some things that you're talking about there, thinking about there? for doing in 2022. As always, we're preserving our hemlock trees and getting ready for another round of treatment for those. We are continuing to build trails across Lookout Mountain. We have a very extensive ongoing trail project and I am planning our signature events for 2022 all the way to October of next year is where I'm at mentally right now. So we're we're all excited for a new year to start and to get more people outdoors. Somebody who used to work with me would say all the time, we work in the future. And it sounds like you're working in the future right now. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I look at the day and be like, wait, it's just September. And because I'm planning for next summer right now. And you have to. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It takes a lot to stage these events, as we know from whether we're talking about the Trailblazer and similar events out there at Lula Lake or Ironman or anything in between. It takes a lot of time and planning and preparation. Parts. That's right. You mentioned the hemlocks. And as you said, this is an ongoing program. But tell me how the hemlocks have been doing lately. We're starting to initiate the process of treatment. We are um, having our experts come out and look at that. And we're doing online fundraising to get our community more involved and more aware of how important it is to protect the hemlock trees and what they do for our whole ecosystem and the greater Chattanooga community and asking donors for every $10 they donate, they will help treat one tree to prevent it from dying. And for people who want more information about the Trailblazer and everything happening at Lula Lake, where can they go online? If you want more information about the Trailblazer, you can go to lulalake.org, which will take you to Ultra Sign Up, where you can race and choose your course and sign up. And for our other projects, our homepage at lulalake.org keeps you up to date on everything Lula Lake is doing to hold up our mission of conservation, education, and recreation. All right, Matthew, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This Sunday, Chattanooga Stronger Together premieres on our public media partner, WTCI-PBS. The hosts of this new local series are Barbara Martyr and Tony Miles. Chattanooga Stronger Together is really a celebration of service in our community. We're providing information to viewers about some really impressive organizations and the impact they're having for our neighbors in the Chattanooga area. At the same time, it's a signal boost for these organizations. They can share this segment with their circle of influence online and let more people know about the important work they are doing. Don't miss the premiere of Chattanooga Stronger Together Sunday, October the 3rd at noon on WTCI PBS and streaming on the PBS video app. You're listening to Scenic Roots. More in a moment. This is Scenic Roots. This afternoon from Barking Legs, in the depths of the winter in 2018, visitors from Baltimore, Maryland, this quartet, led by guitarist Michael Joseph Harris, called Ultrafo, celebrates the music played by guitarist Django Reinhardt and violinist Stefan Grappelli in the nightclubs of Paris in the 1940s. Hello, it's great to be here. And it is Django Reinhardt's birthday and all of our music is kind of rooted in that style. Uh, and then we'll play also a couple of Django pieces before the night's through. This song is called Dumb Eve, Dumb Eve, and it's from our first album, which is only on vinyl.
That is a fun song. Um, Zach Serlith is on bass tonight. Yes. Uh, Zach joined the group um, oh, about a month or so ago, and he's learned all these tunes. He's been awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Sammy Arafin on guitar over here. And it's not only Django's 108th birthday today, but this whole month we're celebrating our fourth anniversary as a band, me and Sammy here. We've been doing this for a while, and uh, you know, it's great to play for a crowd like this. It's so nice. It makes it all worthwhile, all the work and stuff that we do to, to make these songs and practice. So thank you for being here. This next song is from the Blue CD Dizium and it's called Signs of Struggle. Mm -hmm. 
one of the only groups that's a pure trio like a no uh, extra instruments just you know playing acoustic music in the style that's all original so we're going to depart from that right now and play a Django Reinhardt song one of my favorite songs to play of the Django Reinhardt repertoire Nuage yeah. 
We're going to do another Django Reinhardt song next. Uh, it's uh, kind of want to do Django's Tiger. What do you think? It's called Django's Tiger. Thank you. 
legs in the days before the pandemic that was ultra foe from baltimore maryland recorded on django reinhardt's birthday january 23rd 2018 this is scenic roots on listener supported public radio in chattanooga i'm ray bassett thanks for listening to scenic roots we come to you from wutc at the university of tennessee at chattanooga Email us at scenicroots423 at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at scenicroots423. Listen to us online anytime at wutc.org and the WUTC app. For Richard Winham and the rest of our team, join us again next time for Scenic Roots.